Well, earlier this morning, we heard a, an amazing testimony from Robert and how he came to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And later this morning, we're going to get to see him get baptized. And an important part of his personal journey was processing the question, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here on earth? Now, that's a profound question. And if all of us are honest about it, we've all struggled with that question sometime in our life. We often question, why was I born? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And if I am only here for a moment and gone tomorrow, is that it? Is that all that life has for me? Many of us in this room have heard that same voice like Robert did, telling us life is not meaningless, that we have a purpose that is eternal, and that voice is from God. God has a plan for you and me, and it is in this book that we call the Bible. His plan, his love for us, is expressed in the words that are written in this book. We have been in a series based on the Gospel of Mark, and we began the series with Pastor Andrew telling us that Jesus, the Son of God, started his ministry here on earth proclaiming in Mark 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God, which is often called also the kingdom of heaven in other gospels, or other parts of the Bible, is where God is present and people are doing the will of God. This place is both here and now and also in the future, in the afterlife. The kingdom of God is so important that Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, verse 33, during the Sermon on the Mount, where he's telling all the people who will listen what it means to be in the kingdom of God. He says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, heaven itself is very significant. So my question for all of us this morning, is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or simply heaven in your daily life? Do you wonder about heaven or are you more preoccupied with worldly things? There's a saying, my hands are full. Many of you are familiar with it. It means I'm too busy with what I'm doing to take on any more things or work or tasks. And there's another similar idiom is, I only have one pair of hands. I mean, that's often what us parents say when we have little children trying to ask us to do more stuff for them. We just say, I've only got one pair of hands. The question for all of us to think about this morning, what are your hands full of? What are your hands holding on to? And maybe God is asking you to let go of those things so you can grab onto something or someone better. This morning, we will look at Mark 10, where Jesus comes to a man and invites him to let go of something. And I want you to put yourself in the place of that man as we hear his story. Will you be like the rich young man in Mark 10 or respond differently? So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. There are your phone apps that have it, too. I'm sure it's going to be projected behind me. As I read from Mark 10, verses 17 to 25. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, that being Jesus, 
and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And that's the word of the Lord. So we are introduced here in Mark 10 to a man who is apparently young and rich. So how do we know that? Obviously, verse 17 tells us this person is a male, a man. And in verse 22, it says he has great possessions, which generally we translate to meaning he's rich. Now, how do we know he's young? It's not really clear in this passage. It doesn't say he's young, but apparently it, it is a case that the, the people who translate this put this title to this section, The Rich Young Man. Well, if you know Eastern culture, often there's a deference to elders. So we know that this young man, apparently this young man, or this man actually went to Jesus and, and knelt. Now, you don't usually do that to an older person. You usually do it to someone who, uh, who you don't usually do this to someone who's younger than you. You do it to someone who's older than you. And so we know that, that Jesus was probably maybe in his early 30s. So this man must have been younger than 30. Maybe he's in his 20s. And so that's how we kind of, kind of figure out that this is a rich young man. Those three qualities that this person has in that particular time frame puts him in the upper echelons of society. He's male, he's young, and he's rich. He's got everything in the world that he could ask for. But you get here a sense he feels it's not enough because there's something gnawing in his heart that he needs to be answered. Is this all that there is in life? So he comes to Jesus because Jesus has been preaching, talking in the area, and he's gaining a reputation as being a very good teacher and someone full of wisdom. And so this young man comes to Jesus, and he has a big ask. He has this question that he poses. In verse 17, he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There it is, that question. Is there more to life? Is there an afterlife? And so this man, this young man, this rich young man, asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
to his credit, the young man asked a great question. But at the same time, his question demonstrates two problems that, that he just didn't get it. The first problem is that when he came to Jesus, he said, good teacher, showing us he did not recognize who Jesus was, that being God. And Jesus, playing along, sees that this young man doesn't recognize him, gives a hint by saying, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. The second problem I see here is that the young man asked about what he could do, what he could personally do to inherit eternal life. And we shouldn't blame him because that is the world he is most familiar with. Actually, probably that's the world many of us are familiar with, a world that is based on meritocracy, a world not different than ours where you are judged, evaluated, rewarded by others. But God looks into the heart of a person to see the motivation for doing. And for Jesus, doing is not how you get eternal life. It's not doing, but having a relationship. And Jesus tested this young man to see if he gets it about the right relationship that that will inherit eternal life for you. And so Jesus goes and tests the young man. And how does he do do this? He begins with the Ten Commandments. Jesus goes to the Ten Commandments that every proper Jew knew by heart, especially this rich young man should know his Bible, his Old Testament. He should know the Ten Commandments. And he tested him on his knowledge of the commandments. In verse 19, Jesus says, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, the young man said, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. So as I read those verses that are a reference to the Ten Commandments, what are your observations? Do you... Um, notice anything that's kind of odd? Well, Jesus intentionally left out the first four commandments. And he misquoted one of the six he did say. He's testing the young man to know if he will correct him. And do you know what? And why? The what? He stated the six commandments that deal with the horizontal relationship we have with each other, with men and women. But intentionally left out the commandments about our vertical relationship with God. Those are the first four commandments. And then Jesus also changed the word covet to defraud. Very minor, maybe something you may have missed, but instead of saying, you shall not, you do not covet, he said, you shall not defraud. Jesus was testing to see if the rich young man would correct him by saying, oh, Jesus, you left out the first four commandments, the ones that uh, talking about our relationship with God. 
that there is only one God, there will not be any graven images made of other idols. You would honor the Sabbath. The young man didn't correct Jesus about those things. And then he should have finally said, oh, yeah, yeah, it isn't defraud. It's actually covet. And I don't do that, too. Jesus was intentional because it made it easy for this person, this young man, to say, oh, yeah, I don't do those things. I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I don't lie. I don't murder people. And I don't defraud people. But to covet means you want something that somebody else has. And that's how he gets rich. Most rich people exploit poor people to get their things. And so you don't have to defraud them. You don't have to cheat them. You don't have to lie to them. You don't have to kill them. You don't have to commit adultery, whatever. But you can covet because you want more stuff that other people have that you can get from them. And that's how you get rich. At least that's how, how you got rich in those times. And so this person could say pridefully, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. The rich young man showed Jesus his true colors, that he had chosen to leave out God in his life and replace God with money and riches as his idol. He may not have murdered, committed adultery, stolen, lied, or defrauded to gain his riches, but he did covet and likely exploited the poor, in particular, to become rich. And since Jesus didn't name first the first four commandments, and I don't, uh, it, it didn't require this young man to confess. As a response to the young man's answer, Jesus gave him a bigger tell. And we see this in verse 21. Because what he heard from this young man broke his heart. But the scripture says, Jesus loved him. And out of his love, he said, in verse 21, you lack one thing. So what is this one thing that this young man lacked that did not have? And by the way he answered the commandments test, the rich young man was lacking God in his life. Looking at verse 21, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So in that reply, in that tell that Jesus is giving to the young man's ask are many actions. Go, sell, give, have treasure in heaven, come and follow me. Now this, this story, this particular verse is the one that hangs up a lot of us because it's taught in many ways. Many argue, is this commandment or seemingly commandment to this young man to go and sell everything you have and then give to the poor? Is that for all of us? Some will say, no, it was just particular to this young man that Jesus is only talking and only relevant uh, pertains to this young man. I don't think so. Because if that's the case, why is this thing recorded for us for thousands and thousands of years after the fact for us to read if it's just for this one person? 
So there must be a person that, uh, for us to hear about this person's life, that we need to apply to our own lives. So let's disregard, I disregard that argument. Now the flip side is going to, it applies to all of us. Now I don't necessarily go all the way to there. At least in the context that I'm trying to emphasize, and which I think is the emphasis, more emphasis of this particular story, to the question, how do I inherit eternal life? We often get stuck here because we look at the, we miss the two main things that I want us to look at. It's not the stuff in between what Jesus says, but the book ends. He said, go and come follow me. That's the key. The stuff in between is important, and I I don't want to disregard that. But there are two things happening here. The question of how I shall get eternal life, it is to go and come follow Jesus. The stuff in between is what I would consider more sanctification, not salvation. So two big words there. Salvation, or the inheritance of eternal life, comes by the person of Jesus Christ. The stuff in between, go sell and for sell and give to the poor, is more of a sanctification process for most of us. But I will also say, um, for some of us, if money is an idol or a barrier, it can prevent us from following Jesus making that first step to accept him as our Lord, our boss, our master. If that's the case, then you got to deal with it more straight on. But it doesn't have to be money. This particular person, this rich young man, his issue is money. Maybe that's your issue out there too. But it could be family. It could be career. It could be addictions. But there can be whatever in your life that's a barrier from you making that first step to accept Jesus as God and as your Lord. For this young man, that's, that was an issue, so Jesus spoke that. For some of us, that, we could go out and sell our stuff, and we still doesn't mean you're going to be in the kingdom of God. We all have our own issues, and we have to identify that as what is the cause from us preventing us from following Jesus. The riches or, his, or the possessions of this young man are relevant because that was what was preventing him from making God first in his life. And one thing he lacked was the lordship of Jesus. Therefore, Jesus gave him the biggest challenge. Will you go leaving behind your riches, which is his idol, to come follow me? And the scripture tells us here in verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It began with a big ask, how shall I inherit eternal life? Then Jesus had a bigger tell, come follow me. And now comes the biggest challenge. Jesus challenged the rich young man to give up his idol to come follow him. But he walked away from Jesus' invitation because he could not. 
And Jesus continued to teach because his disciples are all around him. And they're looking at what's happening. And his disciples, according to the scriptures, have their mouths dropped open. They're amazed at what's happening and what Jesus is saying. Verse 23 says, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So, how can we inherit eternal life? And that, that's the question the rich young man asked Jesus. And the scripture, a scripture, just before this story of the young rich man gives us a hint. Prior to this encounter with the rich young ruler, or rich young man in this case, Jesus was talking to his disciples about children. In Mark 10, verse 15, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So there's something about being childlike, being a child. And that is the key to what it means to be able to enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or just heaven. What do we know about children? They have nothing. And that would, that's what Jesus is saying. It, you can enter heaven with nothing. And this young man had everything. From the story of the rich young man, it seems having riches makes it difficult to enter heaven because it becomes an idol, something that blocks us, a barrier. Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. For that to happen, a camel would have to become pretty tiny to go through an eye of a needle. Now, I have to confess, um, maybe I'm strange whenever I look at this uh, passage and that, 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 that funny saying that Jesus is um, talking about. What goes through my mind is, you know, to get because I'm a problem solver, and I kind of like solving problems. How would I get a camel through an eye of a needle? Now, I might be sick, but I would put him through a, a meat grinder. <laughs> and then you get it into pretty small pieces, and then I can get it through that eye of the needle, right? Just syringe it through. <laughs> I know, sick, sick, but Jesus posed the question. It's more difficult for a camel to get through an eye of a needle. Not impossible. You can do it. I just gave you my sick way of doing it. So the question here is, can you go through the eye of a needle? Well, I, you know, one of my uh, favorite genres of movies is action-adventure. And so oftentimes in a lot of these kinds of movies, uh, a character in the movie will be hanging off a cliff or, or hanging onto a building and it's, it's crumbling and it's going to it's shaken and, it's, and eventually it's going to fall apart. And there's another hero or friend that's reaching out with a saving hand 
and the person that's clutching to the building or the a falling cliff has to make a decision. Do I let go of what I have and trust that I can grab onto the hand that's reaching out to me? Hands are full, but can I release and trust someone or something better? That scenario is for me a metaphor of life for many of us. That we are holding on to so many things that it prevents us from grabbing onto something and actually someone better. And that better is Jesus Christ. The things we are holding on to are not necessarily bad, but can still hold us back from following Jesus. And so I, I kind of want to demonstrate that visually through uh, a little demonstration here. I have here on this, up here these bags and suitcases. And these, this represents all of our possessions, all of the things we hold on to. And then, as I said, it doesn't always have to be good things. Sometimes there are bad things that we hold on to. And this bag, this duffel bag, represents maybe all the pain, all the disappointments, all the hurts in our lives that we hold on to. So there are good things, bad things, but our hands are full. We're holding on to these things. And these things prevent us from grabbing on to the hand of Jesus. And so I, I'm asking Caitlin to come up because I need a helper here. Why don't you thank her for coming up? She will hold on to the things for me. And life that... Uh, represent what we hold on to, the good things and the bad things. And this is the eye of the needle. <laughs> this would be embarrassing if it didn't fit. <laughs> so for her to enter the kingdom of heaven, through the eye of the needle, she's going to have to do something. And that is she's got to let go. Right? She's got to let go of the things in her hands. All right, thank you. Now, what else you... All right, one more, one more thing. What also will make it easier to get through is that Jesus calls us to surrender. And what's the universal symbol or act of surrender? Hands up. What? <laughs> oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> You'll be in trouble if you're in a... Oh, <laughs> So the universal uh, sign of surrender is hands up, which will make it much easier to get through the eye of the needle. Thank you, Craitlin. <laughs> to grab onto the hand of Jesus that extended out to us to come follow him, a lot of times we will have to do that, to let go of things that we're holding on to, but also then surrender to him so that we can then reach and grab onto his hand that is extended to us as an invitation to come follow him. I began with the question, how can we inherit, inherit eternal life? And my answer, for heaven's sake, let go and grab onto Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you Thank you for your son, Jesus, because you love us so much.
that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we thank you in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen.